I'm joined today by Simon Thompson, who's one of the York Mystery Play Supporters Trust trustees. Um, Simon and I are going to talk about uh, the, the history of the Wagon Plays, uh, particularly what the route was uh, and uh, how much of the day it would uh, take to put on uh, a set of performances. Uh, so Simon, uh, what was the route? Where did the wagons go? Well, they started at dawn outside the, the gates of Holy Trinity Priory on Micklegate and went straight down Micklegate over Ouse Bridge. And then rather than going straight onto pavement, which is the place they ended up in, they did a sort of horseshoe-shaped uh, tour around the city. So they went down Coney Street, up Stonegate, and along by Minster Gate, because it was all shut off in those days, and along Coney Gate, and finally parked up at pavement. I mean, the, the crucial thing about it is that all the streets were apart from Wickengate, were a lot narrower than they are now. Um, yes. the, the performances tended to happen at uh, crossroads where they get a bit more space. So, for example, um, when you, when the, uh, the, the last one before the bridge was at uh, the crossroads where uh, Skullgate meets North Street and Micklegate in those days turned into Oosbridge End uh, yeah. so it gave you a bit more space because it's quite a wide street at the moment but even in the 1960s you know, just before I arrived here there used to be a, um, a graveyard in front of um, in front of St John's Church which is you now Parish uh, Wanbar and there used to be uh, a set of rather nice um, Georgian houses uh, making the street about a third the width it is these days, but all those were swept away and you know, you got rid of nasty old fashioned stuff and put a nice new um, top travellers into this place and um, things like that and uh, to put the width of the road. Because originally, Micklegate uh, was called Mickle, you know, Big Street, because it was the only wide street in York and all the rest were titchy. Uh, used to go over Ouse Bridge, which was so narrow, they could only go in one direction anyway. Uh, so they'd go over there and um, turn left into Skeldergate uh, because there was, and they'd have performed at that corner because there was a, a neat thing where upper and where uh, the two bits of Ouse Gate uh, were crossed by Castlegate, which came that far in those days, and uh, Skeldergate. Which is sometimes called Little Coney Street because um, it was all pre postal service, so nobody was that bothered about what the streets were for. Mm -hmm. uh, so you got a crossroads there and you'd have a performance, then they'd go down a bit further. And where Market Street comes in, of course, in those days, uh, Jubbergate was still, uh, still came down there. It wasn't called Market Street, it was called Jubbergate or Jew Brechtgate because it was the Jewish area. And carry on perform a bit further near uh, St Martin's and again by in front of the Common Hall because there was a, a neat crossroads there where uh, Coney Street crossed uh, Stonegate, Stonegate came down that part, well Helen, St Helen's Square had been invented then and went on down the Common Lane down the side of the, uh, the Guildhall to where the old Roman bridge had once once upon a time being, but was now just a wharf. 
So they perform there, then uh, turn right up Stamgate, perform in the middle of that, to perform at Minster Gates, which is still called Minster Gates, although there's no gate there anymore. Uh, but funny enough, that actually was a gate. Um, right. no, normally gates just mean street, it's just uh, north of the street, but right. that was actually a gate. And they turn uh, right there, perform at the bottom of Goodrum Gate, and on to, um, to pavement, which in those days was the biggest market area in the in the whole town because they they hadn't um uh they hadn't punched Piccadilly through or any of the fancy modern streets and um parliament street was still two streets you know the first set of houses down the middle it wasn't a big open area at all so the big market area was pavement and um that's where they parked the wagons up and when everybody finished moving the wagons over the bridge uh, then <laughs> the bridge was free, they could move the wagons back and uh, park them in uh, pageant green or as it was called, which is the, the, the bit of toft green just inside the walls. Okay. And the, the centre, part of it was used for archery practice, but some of it was used uh, for the sheds where the pageant wagons were kept rest of the year. So, that, that, that's, so that's the route. Mm -hmm. um, but I presume the sheds on Patton Green have long since gone. Oh, yes, yes. Well, Patton <laughs> Green's long since gone. I mean, there's a, uh, there's a few bits of grass there, but that's <laughs> about it, really. Uh, I mean, most of, uh, um, most of Toft Green is, is roadway now. And um, the, well, what were British Rail offices, which is now insurance companies. Because down the bottom of Toft Green, uh, where the original railway station uh, was, which has now been converted to council offices. That used to be uh, a big friary uh, and oh. the second biggest hospital uh, in, you know, apart from St. Lawrence, in, in town. And uh, really rather grand. They did, move, did talk about um, holding parliaments there at one point. But, I mean, all the friaries and monasteries were, were really rather grand. In those I mean, all the friaries and monasteries were, were really rather grand in those days. Uh, I mean, far better than the accommodation that ordinary folk got. Uh, I mean, when when kings came to see the mystery play, or even to, just to visit York, uh, they, they never used to stay in people's houses. They always used to stay in uh, some posh um, monastery. I mean, like the, uh, well, the biggest lack is the friary that uh, was right next to Clifford's Tower. There used to be a whacking great friary there. Um, and that's where um, Edward the Second, Edward the Third, um, Richard the Second, they all stayed there. Because it was right, it was really handy for the um, uh, for the castle. And yes. uh, <laughs> but a lot nicer. I mean, when Edward the, uh, I think it was the second turned up there, he and his wife, and they'd got a retinue of about 600 people who'd collect them all in the Priory, you know, or, you know, associated buildings. So it must have been huge and mm. pot, dead posh if the king stayed there. <laughs> um, but there you go. So the other two big ones uh, were St Mary's Abbey, um, which, uh, of course, is where the revived mystery plays uh, took place. 
and the, the uh, Holy Trinity Priory, which uh, was where they started out in medieval times. And of course that used, where Priory Street is now, that used to be the gateway into Holy Trinity Priory. And there never used to be any churches down there. There used to be a whacking great priory and abbey and uh, all sorts of things. I mean, the, the, if you look, the, the wall uh, alongside the side of the priory took up uh, one side of Metal Gate and it was a huge great thing. And uh, the Holy Trinity Church, as is now, was one of the side aisles of the original Abbey Church. I mean, which was what, four, five, six times as big? Well, you, you can see that the, the mystery plays were, um, took in a lot of the sites, but um, there you go. So how much of the day would be taken with mystery plays? How, how long would it take to get through all of the plays? Well, uh, as so often, these things are a bit lost in the midst of time. Um, mm. There was a petition in the late uh, 14th century, the late 1300s, uh, saying uh, they couldn't possibly get through all the plays in, in the day. Could they please just stick to the, the old stations? Uh, and um, by the old stations, I meant the 12. Um, although there have been between, uh, I think eight was the shortest they ever had. And uh, they did have 15 or 16 one year. It, it all varied, but you have to, well, I'll, I'll tell you about, I'll go on about that <laughs> later on um, and the council's involvement in it. But um, uh, they started at daybreak, uh, which in, in um, Corpus Christi day is 6.30 in the morning. Um, and they would crack on with the 12 performances of each of the plays. And there were, well, in the register, there's 47 plays, or 48 rather, and space for three that never got written down. So you can tell there must have been about 51 plays. And they struggled to perform them all in the day. And, and yeah, by, the time, you would. By, by the time we got to the end of the world, I mean, you're talking about, and, and the last performances of those, uh, it must have been by torchlight at night. I mean, I can't believe they could have squeezed them all in. It, late on, uh, they did manage to get it down to only 32 plays that weren't done. Uh, I mean, not just the, the, the Mary plays, which had been kicked out by, uh, by the Protestants, but um, some of the others, because uh, York was declining in size over the years. Um, mm -hmm. after, after its heyday, it started to shrink and, and the, uh, the, the trade guilds couldn't raise the, sh the money quite as easily as they could. And so it, it tended to collaborate and have several guilds to apply, you know, and it shrank a bit. So, the, you know, the posh guilds still, uh, still did their own, but um, some of the smaller ones just had to, had to you know, all grouped together for doing, but it, it's only one day a year after all, it just, just custom a bob or two. Yeah, I would think, and not least in, you know, actors and paying off actors. Well, it, it's, it, it was probably uh, mainly amateur, uh, okay. done by the traffic There's no reference to professional performance, but 
that uh, and it whole area, the, the business about uh, professional actors, uh, is gradually being discovered. Uh, probably 10, 15 years ago, there was no no sense that there were any professionals in it at all. But gradually, they people have discovered bits and pieces. I mean, you have to remember that there's only one funny mystery play, which is the um, which is where Mrs. Noah clonks Noah around. <laughs> dead. I know the one. Yeah. Um, all the rest are deadly serious. But people used to like Herod coming and um, you know ranting and raving around. And probably, well, my guess is that they they hired professional actors uh, who would who were quite used to running around with um, firecrackers stuck up the crack of their asses and things, uh, and then probably amusing everybody. Uh, Almost he was having the free beer and you know and the other uh, events. So uh, people um, would have um, you know, would, would have gone and seen the things that they really liked. I mean, you, you can't imagine how um, how they'd have actually just sat for eight hours while these very serious players went, went past in front of them. I mean, these are people who've got a day off for home's <laughs> sake. Uh, are they going to? So spend it all seeing, uh, seeing play. I mean, you have to remember that in those days there was a very firm belief that God was extremely active in the world, and that he, he, you know, if anyone was born um, with a any sort of um, physical imperfection, there was the assumption that they, they or their parents must have been sinful in some way, and people tend to, you know be very prejudiced about things like that. And similarly, uh, they were always looking out for auguries, you know, sort of shooting stars and things like that, which they thought were signs of God's grace or God's displeasure. Uh, and the assumption was that uh, the plague that nearly <laughs> carried, well, carried away somewhere between 40 and 60% of them um, was due to the general sinfulness of mankind and, and God uh, giving everybody a slap, pretty much as he had uh, in the days of the flood, when you know he'd wiped out 99.8% uh, of the population uh, and preserved uh, one or two that he rather. So, was it purely by by reputation that uh, this was organised, or were there was there an overall body that was in in charge of actually organising all, all of the wagons? Well, at the start, it was just the girls. Um, the council got involved later on and they got to check the thing, a bit, a bit like they had an assize for ale to check the quality of the ale. So they had a register for the planes, um, but it wasn't written down for quite some time. But uh, when the, they used to have a council official who sat outside the, uh, the gate at Holy Trinity and checked the plays uh, as they came past and checked them against the, the actual script written down, in the, or somebody written down in the register. Um, and that's the only reason that the register has bizarrely survived and is in the uh, British Library at the moment. But that's the only reason we have the, the text of the place, because all the, um, all the individual guild copies have been uh, lost. The plays themselves are put on by the guilds. Uh, they were fined by the city council if they were a bit late coming on. Um, or if they weren't up to snuff, you know, they, uh, there are various records of fines being uh, handed out. 
um, just poor, poor, poor performances for poor plays. Yeah, either varying too much from what was written down in the register, or uh, the performers not being not being very good at it, or being totally inaudible, or something like that, or the uh, uh, the play being late to start because uh, it was really crucial that I mean, given how little uh, spare time they had, they had to crack on and get these blowing plays performed because they're all different lengths. I mean, uh, quite clearly, um, you'd have had uh, some plays sort of streaking ahead, uh, and the other big longer ones. I mean, I think uh, Moses and Pharaoh, which is quite an early one, uh, that that's um, pretty much the longest. That's the hosiest play, but it's it's you know. This isn't that was like 40 minutes. I mean, where, where are the players in front of them? They, they disappeared off around the corner. And are you going to have people standing around, uh, supping on the old free beer, waiting for an hour or so for the next show to turn up? Nah. Well, anyhow, they had to crack on. Nobody knows quite how they did it. And, and there are various uh, default theses uh, and books about how they actually managed to hold it together. and perform the thing on time <laughs> but, but no, yeah. Yeah. certainly needs a coordinator anyway well uh, the city council used to coordinate the start and i mean my my guess is that actually the the, the best um view of it all are actually the the church towers um so i i, I suspect there's some frantic semaphoring from church towers <laughs> to the, the ground. But of course, it might not have been anything like that. It might have been just runners or anything, really. So who knows? Uh, but they used to manage to get it through. And as I say, at the, the last performance was at pavement, and then they parked the wagon up there. And sometime the next night, they trundled them all back uh, over Oosbridge and back up to uh, uh, to Pageant Green. And right. I mean, the only reason. The only reason we know about Patrick Green is because uh, the, I mean, the very first written mention of the mystery plays that survived to us is the council account of 13, 1378, I think, um, because they rented uh, a shed to put three of the pageant wagons or three lots of sets in. Uh, and it was a council responsibility to mend Ooze Bridge and the rent of the shed uh, went towards fixing the bridge. And so the council wrote it down to make sure they didn't lose any the next year or the year after. So bizarrely, uh, by this roundabout means, we, we know that there must have been mystery plays because the, the council was charged them for keeping the wagons there. So, yes, Simon, thank you very much. Thank you very much for talking to Spain.